0: All right, welcome back. 800-859-0957. While we connect with Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, want to try to get uh, some of your calls in here. Just ask the question, if you feel comfortable that the FBI is on, on top of some of these threats that we are seeing in the United States, and particularly here in Michigan. Uh, we talked to Andy Arena. By the way, any interviews that you miss, uh, you just head on over to thegreatvoice.com. You can catch him there. I, I again, I don't think any governmental agency is is perfect. I think there are lots of mistakes that you can highlight. But when it comes to this issue, this is not right, left, center. This is this is national security. This is potential attacks on people here. There is rampant anti-Semitism, according to to Christopher Ray. And so I just asked the question, you feel comfortable that the FBI is is keeping a watchful eye over some of these threats. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Talked a little bit about the 14th Amendment too, which says U.S. officials who take an oath to uphold the Constitution is disqualified from office if they engaged in insurrection or aided the country's enemies. The problem is it's really loosely defined and really hasn't been used, and so courts haven't really taken it up. Back in mid-December, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, when this really started ramping up and these questions, could Donald Trump be uh, expelled from the ballot through secretaries of states around their country? She put out an opinion piece in The Washington Post and says that it's not up to secretaries of state to take Trump off the ballot. Instead, it's up to the courts. Well, now there is that court case raging in Colorado. Will there be precedent set from that? Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson joins us. Secretary, good to have you.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I know this is a, a thorny issue and one that, you know, is occupying many people's minds right now. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah,
0: I, I appreciate you covering out some time for us. So l- let me ask you first, why what was it about the decision that you had made not to take the former president off the ballot? Instead, wait to see what the courts would say about this.
1: Well, I, you know, I say this as an attorney, as well as the state's chief election officer, it shouldn't be up to one politician to make a decision as, as critical as this, with as many unknowns and factual determinations and legal uncertainties. That's really the job of the courts. They are designed to weigh facts, look at precedent. Uh, consider all the legal interpretations, that's their role. And the legal process is set up to ensure the best adjudication of of questions like these. So I tried, you know, I looked at this um, when it came to my attention over the summer and, you know, the secretaries of state all around the country were asked to weigh in on it. And it became very clear to me that the judicial branch, judicial branch is the appropriate institution to resolve this very complex legal issue. And in my view, Absent a court saying otherwise, the the former president, Donald Trump, should be on the ballot uh, under Michigan law. uh, And if there are constitutional concerns that stand in the way, that would be up for a court to decide.
0: Would that court case out in Colorado provide the precedent and clarity potentially in this case?
1: It would have to be a court in Michigan that would or the U.S. Supreme Court that has jurisdiction over Michigan that would that would be the uh, and, and there are cases in Michigan that I think will ultimately um, you know, vet this question, and and at the end of the day, for the country, the U.S. Supreme Court, I think, will be called to weigh in on it.
0: Meanwhile, uh, the the former president has issued a lawsuit in Michigan to keep his name on the ballot. How does that play here?
1: We'll see how the court you know brings that into connection with the other two cases in which the former president is not a party, uh, and as as a party in all those cases, I I'm barred from specifically. Mm -hmm. talking about the the cases. But I can say my public statements have been abundantly clear that under Michigan law, I don't have the authority to make a decision and and, nor should I uh, in this way. It really is up to the courts. And I think, you know, the courts here will will guide us all in the proper application of the law.
0: Do you consider a lawsuit like this coming from his camp? Do do you consider this to be inflammatory? Do you think that there is He's kind of stirring something up that was kind of put to bed. Do you feel hmm. do you feel at all like there is, is anything like that at play here?
1: Well, you know, I'll say this. I've been pretty clear about my position for the last several months. Uh, I've said I will follow the law. I will follow the Constitution and that the former president. Seems to appears to qualify, uh, you know, under Michigan law, any individual who is generally advocated by the national news media to be a potential presidential candidate, is appears on the primary ballot, and and so our law has been clear. I've said that, and um, one one ramification of these cases is to create it's created some confusion around around that, that very clear statement I've made. And that's why, you know, I want folks to know that, that under all circumstances, as I've said, uh, Michigan law is clear the the former president would otherwise appear on the ballot unless the court rules otherwise.
0: You've called the the 2020 election one of the most secure elections in in U.S. history. Mm. Um, What are, what are you doing now? I I know you've got a new uh, uh, early voting pilot program uh, starting, I, I believe this month. Uh, that you're going to gear up for for 2024.
1: Yes, uh, right now Michigan voters uh, are in in uh, local jurisdictions like Oakland County, where there's some um, um, municipalities with elections this fall, like Rochester, and the city of Westland, Warren. Um, there are early voting is happening in advance of this fall's November 7th election. So that gives citizens in those communities an opportunity to try it out, and uh, and and you know help us prepare for next year's statewide elections when, uh, because Michigan voters enacted amendments to our state constitution to require early voting in every jurisdiction in a statewide election, we will be making that real next year in all three of our statewide elections. And citizens will have the chance to vote at least nine days prior to election day in our presidential primary, in our August primary, and in the November general election.
0: And when it comes to the 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 groundwork that needs to be done because there's a lot of legwork mm. when things are changing like this how important is is the the work that the clerks do at the local levels whether it's the county or city levels that that uh, you know they're the ones that are really going to have to be carrying a lot of this out
1: oh absolutely i mean we have uh gotten some funding from the legislature to cover the hiring of staff and the acquisition of new voting machines and other types of security equipment, but by and large, it is the clerks around the state who have stepped forward and really raised the game in their preparation for this fall's election and next year, and they deserve our thanks. And these are folks from both sides of the aisle, clerks who are committed to making sure every citizen in their communities can vote and can trust the results of the election. And we encourage everyone with questions to not just reach out to the clerks, but consider be a part of the process. Sign up to be an election worker so that you can see firsthand all the security protections we've got in place to protect the integrity of the process.
0: Jocelyn Benson joins us, the Secretary of State. I hope you were able to dodge snowflakes last night for trick-or-treating.
1: <laughs> I love snow. We <laughs> ran right into those snowflakes <laughs> as we trick-or-treated. <laughs> Good.
0: Jocelyn Benson, thank you so much. Good to talk with you. We'll talk again soon. Sure. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you got it. That's Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson here on JR Afternoon. Uh, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. I want to squeeze a call in here before we go to break. Uh, let's go to Eric and Adrian. What's up, Eric? Hey, man. Thanks
2: hey. for taking my call. You got it. I just wanted to let you know that I, I think the FBI is doing the best job they can for the situation they're in. Let's keep in mind, Israel has probably one of the best, most comprehensive, uh, investigation and and monitoring in the world. We've yep. taken a lot of of, of their uh, ideas and used them here in the United States. But well, in the Middle East, mind- their
0: intelligence is second to none.
2: Exactly. So, if they were to miss something like this, you know, it's like like they said, there's holes in everything. You can't be mm-hmm. perfect when it comes to stuff like this. But I'm also old enough to remember that Christopher Wray was appointed by Donald Trump, and he's still the FBI's head man and Donald Trump always told us he hires the brightest and best people. So, you know, if, if, I'm just wondering if Donald Trump was still president, would some of your callers from earlier have the same opinion of the FBI? Because, you know, like I said, he's always told us how great he was at hiring people. You know what, Eric? Has-
0: I don't know, man. I, I know that people have some distrust. That's okay. I think that's that's okay. But I think when it comes to this, it's uh, to me, it's it's pretty obvious. you got to trust what the FBI is doing, especially when Christopher Wray is being as uh, transparent as he is. Got to take a break.